Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Powerful Personal Brand Podcast. I am your host, Claire Bond, and on today's episode, I am so excited to introduce Robert Mack. Um, he has an absolutely amazing um, resume. Let me kind of tell you a little bit about him. So he is an Ivy League educated positive psychology expert, a celebrity happiness coach, a published author, and a TV host and producer. He has been featured on Good Morning America, The Today Show, Access Hollywood, E! Network, and OWN. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. I am so excited about doing this. Um, yeah, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm fantastic. I love having a conversation with you, and of course, super excited to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm, it's just, it's so exciting. Um, basically, to give people that are listening, so we met two years ago. It's just, it's absolutely crazy. But we, yeah, cer extenuating circumstances. We couldn't make this happen. Obviously, 2020 happened. Anyway, here we are, so excited. And what is crazy is I remember when, I, when you told me what you did, I was, I was like, oh my God, I think I instantly was like, I want to interview you. And you're like, absolutely. And I didn't want you to tell me what you did because I wanted to learn um, because, you know, I just wanted you to tell me. So can you please tell me what what is a happiness coach? Please tell me a story. <laughs> that how, how did you get started? What is a happiness coach? Please tell me. Well, I have to say that most of my life I've learned things the hard way, Claire. So I'm the least likely person probably in the world to be a happiness coach because I struggled with happiness for so long. I mean, really? I feel like I was born an extraordinarily unhappy kid. I was stressed out and anxious and self-loathing and self-hating and insecure for as long as I can remember. Yeah. And I always thought I would grow out of it. You know, you think that, you know, maybe you'll make money one day. I always wanted to be a professional athlete. I thought that would happen. Maybe I'd make some friends and eventually I'd just grow out of this unhappiness. But actually, I just became more and more depressed. Got to a place where I was seriously suicidal did some research, decided I was going to actually slash my wrist. Oh my that God. was the way I was going to kill myself. Yeah, it was kind of um, dramatic because I was experiencing a lot of suicidal ideation really for, for years before I decided to actually do the research and choose, you know, slashing my wrist as a way to execute it. And so something very strange happened, though, because when I went to go get the kitchen knife and I dug it into my wrist and I still have the test marks on my wrist to this day. Can't wow. see them too well on the camera there. But I had the most unexpected, unpredictable, inexplicable experience, which is that for no good reason, without anything in my external conditions or circumstances changing, meaning I had a pretty good life, objectively speaking, but I just felt miserable on the inside mm -hmm. despite it all. In this moment of digging the knife into my wrist, I felt real joy and a sense of well-being and this like limitless love that I had really never experienced before in quite that way. And so at that moment, I thought, you know, I'm going to put off the suicide thing for just a couple minutes. It wasn't very long, Claire. Like, and even at the time, I thought it felt like a very tall order to postpone the suicide because I was just so deeply miserable. Hmm. But in that you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes, I started doing some research, and I very quickly discovered that I wasn't alone. There were lots of other people in the world um, that experienced deep depression, stress, anxiety, had been suicidal. And so, you know, that 15 minutes began to sort of bleed into 
several days and several weeks and now it's been a few decades. But mm-hmm. really the entire point and purpose of sharing that is that I was really deeply unhappy and I had just made a commitment that I was going to be happy and live as happily and as blissfully as humanly possible or not live at all. Mm-hmm. And it was always a very selfish motivation from the very beginning. And it just sort of unfolded in a way in which I eventually became, you know, a happiness coach. Um, you know, in the beginning, it was just about being happy myself and doing whatever it took to be happy. Um, but then things sort of lined up for me mm-hmm. when I made that single decision. Um, so, you know, I went back to a program at the University of Pennsylvania. It's an applied, Masters of Applied Positive Psychology program. It's all about the study and science of what makes life worth living. I was paying for school by doing a lot of entertainment stuff. So I was a model and an actor. And, um, you know, I met some incredible people along the way. And they, you know, really helped to prepave the publishing of a book that I was working on. But really that book was just a journal of things that made me happy. Yeah. Practices and activities I discovered that made me happy. Um, but it's interesting how things unfolded in terms of becoming a happiness coach, really from just a decision that I was going to be happy no matter what. Yeah. And then, and then wanting to help others that were yeah. struggling with the same thing. Yeah. I sort of <clears throat> began to discover that I really enjoyed having the conversations. I like the conversation that you and I are having. I just love the idea that, um, you know, something about this very painful past mm-hmm. of mine could be helpful to other people in the world. And so I'd, sort of become obsessed with reading books about happiness and listening to videos and then also sharing what I was reading and getting other people's thoughts and ideas. And it sort of became a preoccupation. And so before too long, friends would say, you know, Rob, I know we're here doing this commercial or this magazine thing, but have you ever thought about just charging for what it is you do now already, like in a trailer, which is having these happiness conversations? And I thought, that's a great idea. (laughs) That's precisely what I started doing. That's good. Well, that, I mean, interesting. that's kind of how stuff happened for me, too. You know, people are just like, can you personally brand me? Have you ever thought about personally branding executives like you do you? And I'm like, no. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so it's, it is Love kind of that. crazy how sometimes they kind of, it really organically happens because it's something you're passionate about and you do it for yourself. <clears throat> Absolutely. I mean, the best things that have ever happened in my life have seemed to happen out of thin air. Mm-hmm. And it's usually happened when I've been busy working at something else, yeah. right? Um, but down deep inside, I always knew I wanted to find my purpose. I wanted to be helpful to other people, um, you know, and I wanted to make life, people's lives better. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't know that this purpose of mine was hidden within this really painful problem that I was experiencing called unhappiness. Yeah. That, I mean, I... I'll just tell you a little, like last year, I mean, I used to be very involved with, with social media. Obviously it's a huge part of what I do. I hated Instagram and Facebook. There was so much negativity. It was just, it was awful. Hate, hate all over the place. And I couldn't stand it. And I was like, I can't, I I just left the platforms. I kind of started focusing more um, on positive YouTube stuff and, and LinkedIn. And I definitely focused more on those platforms today, but yeah, I really, the whole, everything going on in the world started getting me depressed and it was just like a weird thing. Cause I'd never really been there before. Um, and I know that I'm not alone with that. I mean, so many people were like, I never felt experiences like that before, but 2020 just kind of rocked everyone to their just core. And, um, are you finding that a lot, like you have just more people coming to you because 
of what's going on in the world? Absolutely. No question about it. You know, at the beginning of like 220 or 2020, there was a dip um, and my practice was still very busy, but the waiting list I had began to shrink. You know, I'd always had a waiting list and, and I, you know, wondered, um, you know, people were hit hard mm-hmm. by 2020, but as things sort of rolled on, my practice became busier than ever. I mean, you know, and on one hand, you're, you know, excited because you want to be able to provide value and service to people and you want to help people. But mm-hmm. on the other, it's sad, right? That folks are struggling and, um, you know, suffering so much. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever been busier in my entire life. And it's a really great thing on one hand. And on the other, it's sad that people are sad. So, yeah, it's been um, an interesting time. I think folks are a lot more in touch, though, with what truly matters mm-hmm. in their lives. Yeah. Um, they're much um, getting and working on getting much clearer about, you know, what happiness is and where you can find it and what mm-hmm. happiness isn't and where you can't find it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's no question, Claire, um, that you and so many people are not alone mm-hmm. in, you know, really experiencing, uh, you know, a tough couple of years, really. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's been bizarre. So, like, what... What does it look like? You're like a day in your life. Like, what is that? What does a happiness coach do? Like, what does that look like for you? <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot of back-to-back one-on-one coaching sessions and group okay. coaching sessions too. Okay. Um, you know, I get up really early. Um, I'm like a 3.30 a.m. So I get up early because I like to do a few things that I've discovered allow me to stay established in happiness, okay. which is like, you know, read and meditate and go to the gym mm-hmm. and just have a little time before I dive into clients. And then, honestly, it's a lot of me listening mm-hmm. and asking open-ended, seemingly innocent questions that are secretly leading people down a path, hopefully to greater peace, love, and joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do that most of the day into the evening. I, um, you know, do group coaching sessions too, which is a lot of Q&A. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do other things. I, you know, I've got about eight books, one of which is being published this year. The other seven will be published following that. But I like to write. And You're not you busy know, at all. Yeah. No, not, not so much. Not so much. You know, it's like, it's great to be busy. You're a about slacker. That's right. That's right, Claire. It's true. It's like, you know, but I have found that it's so much easier to be disciplined about things you love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know that like, <clears throat> When, you know, psych- psychologists, psychiatrists, when they're, when they're dealing with clients, they often have to have someone that they can kind of bounce, you know, talk to as well. Because do you feel like sometimes that you carry some other people's stresses and they're, cause you're telling them good things, but do you, do, do you, is that why you take that three thirty time for yourself? Because you need to just kind of like, let it go. Well, that's what, that's what I, that's why I drink. <laughs> that's what I'm drinking for. No, not really. I mean, um, so I used to experience that a lot, actually, Claire. Like, okay. I used to really hang on to and hold on to, you know, clients' problems and friends' problems and family members' problems. And I had a hard time letting it go because I felt that I was suffering with them and for yeah. them and that I was responsible for solving their problems. And I've discovered the error of my ways, um, and I don't do that anymore. I mean, I have found that when I can lean into that all-abiding, peaceful presence more consistently, both in the conversation and after the conversation, I find that I'm a much better listener. I'm much more helpful. And sessions are much more transformative. And I enjoy it so much more. And I live a much happier, healthier, more peaceful life. 
And so really my teaching is to sort of show people more than tell people mm-hmm. and try to live through my shining example. Um, so I don't carry people's problems. I try to forget the problem as soon as we discuss it and move on because it's just not, you know, smart or happy to let it take up too much real estate in your head. Yeah. I, I have to admit that it, it is surprising to me to hear your story, especially when I, you know, met you and if people looked at you, you have got this amazing smile and that brings joy. And it's just, it's, it's surprising to me. And I think that, that in that surprise, it's also relief and you know, that, you know, you, you know what I mean? Like that you yeah. have also, you've experienced it too. And I think there's this relief in that, that, you know, someone can be, you know, have a great smile and be putting out this outward thing, but you experienced deep depression. I think a lot of people don't think that everyone does, you know, and, it, and, and then it can look like a smile when you're putting on this yeah. happy face. Yeah. So says the Colgate and Crest spokeswoman herself. Sarah. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, it takes light to recognize light. And I yeah. fully receive that. And thank you for saying that. Um, but you're absolutely right about that. You know, I think um, so, so many of us hide behind smiles and, yeah. you know, there's something in positive psychology called a Duchenne smile. So a Duchenne smile is a smile that you cannot fake. There are okay. like hundreds of muscles that are activated when you genuinely feel joy or happiness mm-hmm. or appreciation about something. Okay. And so, you know, you'll notice if you're paying attention that, you know, not everyone has a Duchenne smile. Yeah. And even when you're trying really hard to force a smile, if down deep inside you're really unhappy or stressed out or anxious, it yeah. comes through in countless ways, in micro-expressions, right? Yeah. And so um, I love what you're saying because it's a testament to the fact that I didn't always have a Duchenne smile, that I used to really struggle being authentically you know, happy and uh, smiling uh, big and honestly and authentically. Um, so I appreciate that so much. Um, the same goes for you, obviously, Claire. It's like folks would look at you and they'd hear your story and they'd be surprised because they'd say, how could this incredible, extraordinarily successful, you know, happy woman have gone through what you just described a few moments ago, right? Just yeah. in the last year or two. So, yeah, I think um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is right when she says that, you know, beautiful people don't just happen. Mm-hmm. You know, beautiful people um, are basically built and created by having experienced some of the worst tragedies and trials, mm-hmm. but they've come out on the other side triumphant. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that's the case with most of us that, you know, you have to go through some stuff in life, but when you go through it, you end up coming out on the other end better and more blissful, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, so not everybody can, you know, was going to be able to be a private client and work with you. Yeah. What can you give like three tips that, that maybe, you know, things that people can do to help them get out of, of some depression, to help them find happiness. Yeah. Is, is sure. it something that can be done? <laughs> yes. Claire, okay. Yes. And, um, and science <laughs> attests to that. Good. Um, I think each of our life experiences attest to that. And all my clients attest to that. I would say that, you know, I'll give you four. Okay. So the, oh, the okay. first is, um, we'll call it positive or happy activity. So just create a list of what I would call your happiness islands. Those are things, people, places, and activities that for with very little time, energy, or effort make you feel energized, uplifted, mm-hmm. inspired, happy to be alive. Mm-hmm. And so you want to list those things out 
and you want to do everything you can to get those things scheduled into your life more consistently or more often. The opposite of those are happiness deserts. Happiness deserts are things that you don't enjoy. No matter how hard you try, you just cannot enjoy it. You want to do everything you can to outsource, delegate, reduce, eliminate, automate, or regulate mm. those six things. And that goes for both your personal life and your professional life. Um, and so that's the first step. It's sort of like identifying happiness islands and happiness deserts or valleys. Mm-hmm. Um, the second piece is learning to tell a better feeling story based in truth about everything and everybody in your life, starting with yourself. So hmm. There are always at least two ways to tell a story. One is by focusing on what's not working and what you don't love and what you don't enjoy. And the second is by focusing on what you do love and what you do enjoy, what is working. And so I call that telling a better feeling story based in truth. So it's mm-hmm. like if you have zero dollars in your bank account, are you broke or is there only up from here? Right? There's only up from here. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, it's a great way to look at it. Much more supportive. Yeah. Much more supportive story. Um, so that's all about vetting thoughts and conversations, not based solely on whether or not they're true, but also whether or not they're helpful or supportive to you and others. Right. Mm-hmm. That's number two. So the first you can think of as positive activities or happy activities. The second is like positive um, thoughts and stories mm-hmm. um, or happy thoughts and stories. And the third is learning to not think at all. You know, there's such value in this. And this is something that, you know, 10 years ago or especially 20 years ago, I would have just rolled my eyes at. But the idea is that you don't have to always obsessively, compulsively be thinking about everything and everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, my most blissful moments by far are the moments when my mind is either thinking very simple thoughts mm-hmm. or is completely quiet. Mm-hmm. That moment right before you sleep off to sleep at night. When you're so tired, you can barely move your body, and you're so tired that you are all out of thoughts or yeah. out of interest in any thoughts. It's mm-hmm. such a blissful moment, you know, and you're so perfectly peaceful. So one way to practice that is what we call micro-meditation. A micro-meditation is just one breath that you take as often as you can throughout the day, with the only goal being to enjoy that breath as deeply as humanly possible, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to pretend like that breath is the last breath, the last moment you'll ever have on this planet and to really try and juice or milk that breath in that moment for as much joy as you can possibly get out of it. And the way you do that is you breathe in the stomach, you let all your thoughts go and you just seriously, sincerely try and enjoy that one breath. It's like into the nose, like out of the mouth. So just that, if you could, do that it's like almost that. like it's. It, I feel just kind of just like I. I don't know. Relaxing sensation just by doing breath. Like just yeah. I, I right. love meditation. I don't do it enough, but I. Yeah, it, it is transformative. So I love that breath idea. Exactly. So everybody can do one breath. Sometimes my meditation feels like torturous, and it feels hard to sit there for 30 minutes or for even 10 minutes, but one breath we can all do. Yeah. And if you can do one breath, you can do another. Right. I love it. Yeah. It, it brings me. So I, I forgot um, 
the, the idea that was in my head before I asked you that question. And then it came to me. So I come from actually a modeling background. I was in New York doing a lot of commercials. Um, and I had a commercial, um, he was an agent and also a, a, a teacher. Uh, I don't know, Barry Shapiro, if you remember him. <laughs> do you know him? I do. Okay, I so, do. I took, yeah. so I took Barry Shapiro's class and he was like, Claire, your smile, it's plastic. So he taught me the laugh to smile. So the, <laughs> and I would always come up with a much more, and so it's funny, I'll be with my stepdaughter and I'll do the laugh to smile and it makes her start cracking up. So like, we'll have photos of her being like, like, cause she can't <laughs> handle the laugh to smile. She's like, yeah, I just can't. Anyway. So it's funny because even in acting, you know, you're just, you're there and you have to slate your name and it's all weird and you're reading the lines and like, you're just, you have to have a genuine looking smile in this one photo because that's all they have. So that was kind of the hack to get it was, yeah, I think of something funny do. Yeah. So, but it would, but it worked. Um, and probably transformative for my career really, because it was the difference between this, like, for it, or the actual laugh to smile. He's like, do you see the difference? <laughs> do you see just Polaroids? He's like, do you see the difference? I need to find those. They're so funny. It's so powerful and poignant, Claire. And there's really so much there to be unpacked. Um, you know, we don't have, time to unpack it all, but like in addition to the really beautiful point you just made, you know, um, I too, and we're, we have lots of things in common, um, clearly, you know, modeled and act was into acting for 10 years, right? So mm -hmm. I did that and we would sometimes joke because it was mostly for me, it felt like being unemployed. Because <laughs> it was really hard to book jobs, you know, so hard. I would always and, tell people my job is to be an, a professional auditioner. And I'm not, that's what I do for a living. I don't. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And one of the beautiful things that you said is, you know, sort of like laughing and rolling that into a smile. And the other thing was the smiles, right? Like the smiles oh, is a real yes. thing, like the smiles with your eyes. And yes. when you actually are smiling, a Duchenne smile, you mostly smile with the eyes. But one of the tricks was always to try and think what you want to emote or think what you want the mm -hmm. camera to pick up. And so sometimes just thinking what you want the camera to pick up was enough to create the micro expressions on your face to make it register in the actual picture and in the actual video. And so yeah. if like, you want to feel playful, think of something playful. If you want to feel um, or come across as fun or you want to come, come across as sexy, you want to think something sexy in your mind. And it's interesting how that lands both in the camera and on the picture or in the video. And so again, there's so much to be learned really. If you look at any particular industry or space or any kind of job that you have, there are lessons there on happiness already. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's something I discovered about sort of modeling and acting that I never expected to discover was that you can communicate a whole lot without saying barely anything. If you can just embody the emotion or yeah. even think the thought that you want to communicate to the rest of the world. I love that. Well, one thing, so because this is the powerful personal brand podcast, I want to talk about how your personal brand has really helped you. I mean, you have a lot of celebrities coming to you. Yeah. How did you kind of, was it, was it a conscious effort to build the brand or did it kind of just organically happen? It um, most, that most thing organically happened. I was, you know, doing the modeling and acting thing. So I was already in the world of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the conversations I was having already were with, you know, models or actors or producers or other folks, musicians or whatever. And so that was the first piece of it. And then, you know, as time went on, um, you know, and I'd written a book that I was getting hit up by more folks in that industry because they had kind of heard that, oh, he can understand what I'm going through because he was a model or he was an actor. Or he's done some production work. And so in any case, 
sort of happened organically. And then, uh, you know, several years later, I booked a TV show called Famously Single. Okay. And I was a love coach and a dating coach and relationship coach on that show. And so that only solidified this sort of brand and reputation as a celebrity love and celebrity happiness coach even more deeply. Um, so, yeah, um, it was something that was organic, but I realized um, I should probably embrace instead of fight all the time. Yeah. Um, so I just embraced it. But really the techniques and tools and tips and tricks that I offer are, you know, ones that apply and work for everyone. That's awesome. Awesome. Do you, so we're going to, we're going to like have to wrap up, but can you tell me like, you know, you've worked with a lot of clients, obviously don't name names, but is there one sort of like transformation, um, you know, one client that you work with, like there, that it was an amazing kind of transformation for you? Yeah. Well, actually I'll give you a example. And, um, was a client actually, mm -hmm. um, could have been a client, but so, um, I think I shared this maybe on my Instagram stories once, but Essentially, I'm walking, I'm in the Beverly Center, like outside the Beverly Center in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, I like nice clothes. <laughs> I always like nice clothes. My mom raised me, you know, to sort of appreciate nice clothes and iron everything and all that good stuff. So anyway, I was coming off of doing um, a TV show, like, a, you know, that morning. And so I'm, like, buying something. And I'm leaving the store. And this uh, gentleman calls over to me and says, hey, hey, hey. Um, hey, you got a moment? I'm like, yeah. He's like, hey, I love your outfit. I love your outfit. And I'm thinking, we're just going to talk about clothes. And I said, that's so kind of you. Thanks so much. And he asked me where I got it. And then very quickly, the conversation evolved into one where we're talking about why I like nice clothes and I like to dress nice. And I said, you know what makes me feel better? And I'm a happiness coach, so I believe in feeling good. And uh, I don't need them to feel good, but it, I love any help I can get, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, that's interesting. You've been through some tough stuff or what? And I said, yeah, I've got these suicide test marks. I gave him the story. Next thing I know, I look. And this whole time I'm having the conversation, I had felt the presence of somebody else standing there, but I didn't get a chance to really connect with the other person. Turns out the other person was this um, gentleman's son. And I look, and all of a sudden, this kid is crying. He's just sobbing. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I hope I didn't trigger this kid in some way. I hope I didn't offend him or make him feel bad. And so I just said, hey, you know, brother, are you doing okay? Is everything okay? What's going on? And he said, Rob, like, I know I just met you. He said, but you have to know, today was going to be the day. And I was like, the day for what? He's like, today was going to be the day that I was going to literally kill myself today. And he said, I am blown away that I just had this conversation with you who had this experience and is talking about how much happier you are when you had gone through a very similar sort of suicidal ideation period. And because of this, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to kill myself today. And I remember thinking, holy smokes, you can't script that. You can't plan for that. Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to coach anyone. I'm trying to teach anyone. I'm not trying to do anything other than just connect with two people and share my honest truth around my experience. And lo and behold, this kid is in that moment transformed, not by mm -hmm. me, but by the experience and the conversation yeah. itself. So I said that for me, that's probably one of the most transformative and mind-blowing and heart-wrenching experiences I've had, inspiring uh, experiences, because it happened so quickly. It happened yeah. unintentionally, and it happened just from having a conversation in an authentic way from a place of pure innocence and purity and wanting to share. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, whether someone believes in, in God or, you know, what, like you just kind of, there's whatever you believe in the universe, God or whatever, someone, it was like, 
this is this is meant to be i have to put rob in in this this young man's path because we have this has got to change and that is absolutely amazing i totally believe in in you know yeah higher power i'm not like a very super religious person but i definitely so many things have happened in my life where i was like i random people that i don't even remember their names have made profound like impacts on my life i was like thank you know i just say thank god for you like thank you for wow so that's amazing i, I totally that believe so that much. i yeah. love what you're saying so much it's so powerful so profound and you're absolutely right about that it's like if my life was let, left up to me and my devices it would be a much bigger mess than it is currently oh so i believe in god the universe life whatever yeah. it is that hangs the earth on nothing whoever yes. does that I know I'm one with, and I know it's also, you know, cooperating, collaborating with me in the highest possible way. Yeah, that's amazing. I, yeah, um, so many stories that, that have been kind of life-changing. And I'm like, I wish I could remember that person's name. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it's absolutely amazing. Um, I literally, I feel like I talked to you for hours. I, yeah, you are amazing. And I just so positive and I absolutely just love your energy and everything about you. Um, but unfortunately we can't do that for two hours. So <laughs> tell people because you are so magnetic, how they can, how they can connect with you. Where do you want someone to, where can someone find more about you? Yeah, so first, you got to give me your cash app credentials so I can send you a check for the compliment, the money for the compliment. <laughs> that was super kind of you. And just so you know, first of all, thank you. I fully received that. And please know, you are like just a such a special, rare gem of a human being, such a gift. And I feel so privileged, honestly, and so honored to be in conversation with you and to know you. So thank you so much for that. I yes. live for these conversations, Claire, so you've made my day. Truly, oh. um, know that. Um, and for all the folks that, you know, want to continue the conversation, um, you can find my book, Happiness from the Inside Out, everywhere great books are sold, including Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, both in the store and online. You can also find me at my website at coachrobmack.com and on all social media platforms, most consistently Instagram at official. Love it. So go connect with Rob. And thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited. And um, yeah, I, you know, I love being connected to you too. So just a positive person. So thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. And I will see you in the next episode. <laughs> Bye.